Thank you for the welcome. It's a great pleasure to be here worshipping with you again this morning. Let us worship God. I invite you to stand for the opening response, uh, and then we'll sing hymn 22. Please stand. Let us worship God. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Most gracious and generous God, we praise you for all the joy and beauty of this world within which we live, for your love that surrounds us, your grace that sustains us, and your hope that inspires us. As we gather to worship you, help us to open our hearts and minds that we grow closer to you and to one another, that we may be strengthened and guided by the power and presence of your Spirit to walk more faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, whom we seek to follow. Forgive us for the times when we have stumbled and strayed, when we have caused others hurt or passed by on the other side when we could have helped. Forgive us for the good intentions we have failed to act upon. Forgive us for our share in the sins of a society in which the well-off prosper while the weakest go to the wall and the poorest are left behind. In your great mercy, release us from any burden of shame or guilt. Free us from all that harms us and holds us back. And raise us now to newness of life, that we may serve others joyfully and witness faithfully. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Acts chapter 16, from verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The second reading is from Revelations chapter 21, verse 10, then verses 22 to 27, and chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. 
I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many of you are dreamers. Of course, there are different kinds of dreams and different kinds of dreamers. On the one hand, Johnny Hedonair, people, as they say, who are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly use. On the other hand, people who dream and hope for a better future for themselves and the world. And of course, many other kinds of dreamers, not forgetting people who have all sorts of vivid and extraordinary dreams while asleep. I tend not to dream at night, or at least not to be able usually to remember anything about my dreams because the psychologists tell us that everybody actually dreams when asleep. But as it happens this past while, I have been dreaming rather more frequently and not always pleasantly. As someone who very boringly, when I was younger, always tried to make sure I had my essays in on time and was ready for exams or other demanding situations, it's been disturbing to dream about exams I wasn't prepared for or turning up for lectures I had to give and not knowing what I was going to say. I don't know if there are any skilled interpreters of dreams here this morning to help me understand these dreams. We know from the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, of course, of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, how you can build a very successful career on interpreting dreams. In our reading from Acts, we heard the powerful story of Paul's dream near the start of his second missionary journey which had kind of stalled at that point. Just before the passage we heard, we're told he'd been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
Then, as we heard, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And then, while they were at Troas, going on to what we heard this morning, Paul had a vision. There stood a man from Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. No one, neither God nor anyone else, has said anything like, Come over to Macedonia to me in a dream. And to be honest, I've always been rather suspicious of people who do claim to have a sort of hotline to God or are sure that God has told them to do this and that. I'm probably too much of a skeptic and feel that it's more likely the power of auto-suggestion that's at work. In other words, what they really want to do themselves than any possibility of miraculous divine intervention and revelation. I heard the other day, and it was told me, in fact, by someone who's here this morning, about a wedding where the fathers of both bride and groom were ministers. One who was officiating and conducting the service was a Church of Scotland minister, and the other was a Baptist minister, and he was due to deliver an address. And when his turn came, he went on for an interminable half an hour, treating the unfortunate captive congregation to an account of how God had told him shortly before he was to start, that he was to deliver the full works. Evidently, nothing but the invitation to come forward was missing. And I gather it was all a wee bit awkward. It wasn't quite the right thing for the occasion. Whether Paul's dream with the request to come to Macedonia actually happened like that, or whether it's a highly creative after-the-event explanation of why he went there rather than to Asia as apparently was the original intention, doesn't really matter. The book of Acts is a wonderful series of stories about how the church grew uh, early in these early days. And there's so much in the book of Acts that's still instructive for us today, both as individuals seeking to be faithful to the way of Jesus in our own lives and as part of the wider community of faith addressing the challenges of our times. The overall theme you've been following since Easter is extraordinary, I understand, and there's certainly much that is extraordinary in and around this particular story. The planting of the church at Philippi, the first on European soil, which we know a good deal about from Paul's letter to the Philippians. The interesting place Well, it wasn't within Philippi, outside Philippi, where the people, the minority Jewish community in the city, went to pray outside the town, outside the gate, on the margins. Then it's interesting, it's extraordinary, perhaps, the apparent prominence of women within that community. We hear about Lydia in particular. And the significance of hospitality as a fundamental part of the life of the people of faith. And to go back to where we started, the importance of discerning and responding to the will, purpose, and priorities of God within our own lives, however these are conveyed and mediated to us, whether through dreams or otherwise. There's an unending number of poems and songs about dreams. If I were to pause for a couple of moments and ask you, to think of titles or snatches from songs or brief quotations from poems 
about dreams or dreaming, I know that we'd come up with more than a few. The Bible, too, is full of dreams and visions, too many to enumerate or mention, except in the case of that wonderful vision of the holy city in the book of Revelation, part of which we heard this morning. The glory of God, perpetual light, the water of life flowing through the city, nourishing the trees whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. One of the most famous dreams of all almost 50 years ago was when Martin Luther King spoke so powerfully and memorably at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington of his dream of freedom and racial justice for people who'd been oppressed and excluded for years. We all have our dreams, both for the hereafter and for the here and now. Dreams that are very personal and precious about maybe about being reunited with dear ones who've passed before us through the mystery of death, maybe dreams of a better future, a fairer world. At a more mundane level, I'm almost ashamed to remember saying to people in my younger days when sharing my own dreams that as long as the Elysian fields had a cricket pitch that was true and there was no rain to stop play, I'd be happy. But now the age that I've reached, my dreams are perhaps just a little more nuanced, should I say. I'm rather keen on musicals. As some of you know, I was bowled over when I saw the film version of Les Miserables, in which there's, of course, the song, I Dreamed a Dream, that catapulted Susan Boyle to stardom. I especially like the musicals of Rodgers and Hammerstein. And in South Pacific, there's a song, Happy Talk, which contains the words, you got to have a dream... If you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? Now, that's a pretty good message, particularly perhaps when held alongside the revelation vision of a new vision, a new heaven and a new earth. Except that there's another musical song from Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's Evergreen Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat that says, any dream will do. Remember, there's a television program about that as well. That's not true. It's not true that any dream will do. It won't do. There are good dreams and not so good dreams. Respectable dreams and unworthy dreams. Selfish dreams and dreams that are for the good of all. Especially in these times when, according to a recent study, we're living through an era of diminished expectations. However, you've got to have a dream. It's important that we have a good dream that's about more than improved economic prospects. We're all called and challenged to be dreamers. That is an inevitable part and consequence of belonging to the community of faith, of being called by God to walk in the way of Jesus, to dream about a better world, to be people of compassion, generosity, justice, and integrity, to be utopian realists, if you like, pragmatic idealists with our feet firmly on the ground, but our eyes and hearts set on and determined by the vision and values of God's kingdom, which alone must be the touchstone of our dreams. In Macedonia and throughout Paul's missionary journeys, 
extraordinary things happened to and with ordinary people. And that's as true today here in Glasgow and across the face of the earth as it was then, if we have but the eyes to see and the ears to hear and perhaps also the courage to leap. This is the miracle and mystery of God's grace, the promise of new life here and now. The revelation vision is of a new heaven and a new earth, the earth within which we live and move and have our being. It's not just the dream, is not just the vision about the hereafter, but about the transformation of this world. And in this process of transformation, of the dream becoming reality, each of us is involved and has a part to play. Come over to Macedonia and help us, Paul heard the man saying in his dream. And each of us has our own Macedonia. And this, in a way, is what we affirm, discover, and experience every time we share in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Here, as we say in the words of institution, the ordinary things of life are made special. Here, ordinary people taste the extraordinary, and in so doing, by God's grace, become extraordinary. We experience the joy and the peace of God, and we hope that we'll discover the dreams that go along with that. And to God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers for others, you're invited to share a little response. When I say loving God through our lives and by our prayers, you're invited to respond with the words, your kingdom come. Let us pray. Living God, strengthened by the vision of a new heaven and a new earth, your purpose and promise of fullness of life for all, We bring before you now our prayers of concern for others and for this world in which we live. We hold before you all who are suffering and going through especially hard times at present, people who are ill, whether at home or in hospital, those who are bereaved, anxious, lonely, or feel that life has lost its meaning and point, those who lack food, money, shelter, any of life's essentials that we tend to take for granted. And in a moment of silence within our own hearts, we pray now for any people we're especially concerned about at this time. Loving God through our lives and by our prayers, your kingdom come. God of all peoples and nations, we remember the places where there's war or violence at this time, and all people who are caught up in conflict, victims of exploitation, oppression, or injustice. We remember, too, all those organizations and individuals that are working for peace and striving to build a better, fairer world. We think this morning, especially once again, of Syria and the tension within the Middle East praying for an end to the confrontation and the aggression and for a just and peaceful settlement. We pray for the leaders of all the nations, 
political decision makers, those who hold responsibility and influence the shape of the future in public life, business, and industry. May they be enabled to see beyond the short-term and narrow financial considerations. May they be guided by a spirit of compassion and a commitment to the common good. Loving God through our lives and by our prayers, your kingdom come. Eternal God, we pray to for the church in this place, across Glasgow, throughout Scotland and in every corner of the world. Through the miracle and mystery of your grace, touch your people with a spirit of adventure, with an openness to new possibilities, a steadfastness of commitment and readiness to reach out and take risks for your sake, to worship, serve and witness with joy and obedience. Loving God through our lives and by our prayers. We give thanks for all those who have gone before us in the faith and are now safe in the eternal joy of your nearer presence. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue to worship God in our offering. Your offering will now be received.
Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your great goodness and for all the blessings of our lives. May these, our morning offerings, may all that we have and say and do and are be used for the good of your church, the building of your kingdom, and to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, who taught his friends to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God of all time and space, God of every time and every place, we thank you for all that we've shared and all that you've promised us here. By your grace, may we go forth enriched and enlivened through our communion with you and with one another, strengthened for all that lies before us with your joy your hope, your love, and your peace in our hearts, and the blessing of God, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you all now and evermore.